Well, what's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid, and I am your host, Austin Krell. Um, Sixers win uh, by six two nights ago in Philadelphia against the Orlando Magic in preseason game number two. They are now in China, getting ready to play the Dallas Mavericks twice before being done with preseason and being uh, sent to Boston for the first game of the year on the 16th. Obviously, it's preseason, so it doesn't matter that much yet. But there was one shocking development that unfolded over the course of the game. Markel Fultz started again, but I believe he took somewhere between six and six to ten jump shots, I, th- I think. Maybe close to eight to ten um, jump shots. He shot five of 12, which was, I guess, encouraging. But he also took four three-pointers. He's never taken a four a three-pointer before in his career. And to see him take a three-pointer confidently was very encouraging. He actually made one of them, which was much more encouraging. Um, it wasn't a pretty shot per se, but it was something to go off of nonetheless. It was something to work with, something to build on. And what you can see with him is that when he comes off of screens and when he's rising up for 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 mid-range jumpers or whether it's mid-range jumpers or or long-range jumpers as you can see the muscle memory is there he's hitting the basket he's missing around the rim not really missing far off but he's really he has the range so what it tells you is that it's not about accuracy well obviously there is some accuracy because no one has perfect accuracy or they would ever miss but it's not about whether he has the range or not. Like a guy like Evan Turner does not have the range, and that's why he couldn't become a good shooter. Markel, it's all about confidence. When he's confident, he's very dangerous, and he can and he can beat. You can beat you off the dribble. He can beat you with jumpers. You saw a lot of him coming off of screens and sort of defenders going under, and then him rising up for a jump shot um, mid range. And he was he was stroking them. They they weren't banks. They were clean they were clean makes um was the shot pretty not necessarily but Reggie Miller didn't have a pretty shot he's one of the greatest shooters ever so I don't think people should be worried about is the shot pretty I want him to be confident and make shots because that's what defines a career not how pretty it looks there are plenty of guys that have Nice-looking jump shots. Michael Carter-Williams has a nice-looking jump shot. Does it go in? No, not at all. So that doesn't matter. Um, But for him, you just want to see him build on the confidence and see him get stronger and see him sort of, as the game goes on, you sort of see, okay, I tested the water. It was comfortable. I was able to make the shot. Let's, Let's extend the range out a little bit. And you want him to sort of see the ball go in the basket from various different angles for him to realize, I can play. I'm good. And then you'll really see him unfold into what he's supposed to be. Now, did he take reportedly 50 corner three-pointers in warm-ups? Yes. Did he only shoot um, 
corners and corner threes in the game? Yes. Does that matter right now? No, doesn't matter. You just want to you, again. You want to see him take the shot because if he takes it, he's confident he can make it. And you want to see him. You want you want him to see the ball go in the basket. That's what's most important for Markel psychologically. Now, he had 12 points. He missed the free throw, but that's okay. People miss free throws. Six rebounds, four, four, uh, six rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, one block. I actually thought that his defense looked pretty good. He looked actually very engaged on defense. He showed energy on the defensive end blocking, um, I believe it was DJ Augustine's layup. I forget. Um, but he looked fine. Um, it was, again, something to build off of. You want to see him make progress on that for next game. Because once that that sort of that jump shot opens up for him, he's going to realize, okay, I can, I'm fast, I'm athletic, I'm strong, I can beat anybody off the dribble. That's what you want to see out of Markel Fultz. And once defenders, have to, once defenders have to be honest with him and they have to play him with not much space because they're, they know he can make shots, then you're going to see Markel's explosive star power, if he has it, open up. Because then he's going to be able to do whatever he wants on the court, and no one can do anything about it. So, back to the game now. Dario Saric, 23 minutes, 1 of 6 for 8 points, missed all 4 of his 3s, had 6 free throws, 6 rebounds, and assists, a block. Embiid, 21 points in 23 minutes, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 turnovers, not ideal. Robert Covington, 9 points, 21 minutes on 3 of 5 made 3s. You want to see that out of Covington. He only had, I think he had none in the first half, and then he had exploded for 3 in the third quarter. He's very streaky like that. We all know that. You want to see him just make shots in situations where they need a guy, they need their 3 to make a big shot. You want to see him not go through month-long stretches where he can't make shots. You need, if he's having a bad couple games, that's fine. But he's got to be able to hit three or four every, you know, once every couple games, just to, just to keep that threat there and to show that he is capable. And he, and he showed that explosiveness in terms of his shooting prowess in the third quarter when he, had, when he hit three threes. Two rebounds and assists, two blocks. Ben Simmons... 22 minutes, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. He left the game for a period of time with a laceration above his right eye, I believe, because he got hit in the face. He was fine. He returned. Big thing with Ben Simmons. Only shot six, only took 6 shots, made 3 of them. But you look at his free throws, he made 3 or 4 free throws. The elbow was tucked in. The stroke was repeatable. was not too hitchy. And... They were clean makes. And so what that shows is he's made progress, tucking in that elbow, keeping it in, and having a solidified stroke that is actually mechanically correct. So that was a nice step for him in the right direction. If he can make free throws at a 70% clip, that would be enormous for him. That would probably, if he if he attempts the same number of free throws per game this year as he did last year, and he shoots 70%, he would up his scoring average by 0.6 points from 15.8 to 16.4. It doesn't seem like a lot, but that adds up over 82 games. We already discussed Markel Fultz, so we're going to move on um, 
Furkan Korkmaz, 18 points in 19 minutes, 6 of 8 from the field, 3 of 5 made threes. What you're going to see now is because Wilson Chandler is hurt and Jared Bayless is hurt, you're going to see the young guys be tested and see what they can contribute to the team. Maybe it's for the better because, you know, they can, they you know, you can find new depth that you didn't realize you had, which can open up a whole new avenue for your team because if you can rely on one more player, that's a couple less minutes that your best players have to play, and therefore they can be that much more rested at the end of close games. Um, he had 18 points in 19 minutes, but again, I'm not quite sure how much of a contributor he's going to be in the rotation because you look at his 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 how big he is, and he isn't that big in terms of strength, and he's still very slow defensively. That's going to be a liability. And for a guy who who's, who you just don't know that much about, it's not worth sort of take, taking the risk and putting him in the rotation and having him cost you a game. J.J. Redick, 12 points in 17 minutes, 6-7 uh, from the free throw line, two made threes. You're going to see him get more playing time, obviously, because he's you just older, and you want to give Markel some minutes and see what he can do, and see so you sort of mix and match with the lineups. But Redick's going to play heavier minutes because he's a very valuable piece of, piece of this team, and he's one of the key weapons to your offense. He opens the floor. He keeps defenses from sort of caving in and blocking out the paint. Um, Landry Shamit, I like him a lot. 12 points in 19 minutes on 2 of 4 from the 3-point range, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. I thought he contributed valuable minutes. He's just a name to keep your eye on. Maybe he makes the rotation, maybe he doesn't. Um, I'd probably bet on he doesn't make the rotation, but he's also a rookie and a late first rounder at that on a contending team. So I think there will be games where he'll be called upon due to injury from someone else, and he'll contribute minutes. But I think a lot of the time you'll just see him kind of play spotty minutes in, in, in certain matchups or in certain situations. Um, no one else really contributed that much. I did like what I see, what I saw out of uh, Jonah Bolden, four points in 12 minutes. Um, he does seem to have a nice three-point range from the corner. His free throws are very much a work in progress because he's missing a lot of free throws. He's missed um, four of the six he's taken so far in, in the preseason. What I want to see out of him is less of this erratic play where he's sort of it sort of looks like he's spazzing out. Um, you can't tell if it's he sort of looks like he's never played basketball before and he's just learning how to play now. Um, you want to see him to improve on his decision making and on his rotations on defense and on his shot selection. But very athletic, very big player. I'm not sure he'll ever be that big of a contributor on a contending team. But he's just a nice piece to have off your bench, somebody who could who could give you a solid six minutes of game time um, and can stretch the floor a little bit from the four spot. Michael Muscala, um, 18 minutes, two points, missed all of his four, all of his three-point shots, seven rebounds. I do like what he brings in terms of energy, in terms of that, that stretching the floor ability. I'm not sure I like him as much as I like Ursan Ilyasova, but he's younger, so maybe he can provide you more defensive versatility. Um, TJ McConnell, 11 minutes, two points, six assists. I don't know why they're not playing him as much. It might be because they, they know what he is, and they know that they 
that they're going to utilize him, so they don't they want to give the minutes to somebody else who they want to see more out of. But then again, um, you make the case for JJ Redick or for um, Amir Johnson. So who knows why they're why they're not playing him? So the Sixers win the game by six points, and obviously the big storyline is Markel Fultz's uh, jump shot. You go up to the Magic. Nick Vucevic had 20 points. Aaron Gordon had a very strong-looking 10 points. He made some very difficult shots. I think showcased some of that all-star potential that he has, but I'm not quite sure that he has the perimeter game that you need to be an all-star in this league. Jonathan Isaac left due to an ankle injury. He can't get his career on track, it seems, due to injury. DJ Augustine, 12 points. Um, Evan Fournier, Fournier, um, 3 points on 1 of 11. He seemed to be the difference in the game in that if he had had a solid game, maybe they would have, maybe Orlando would have had such a hole to climb out of because they scored they outscored the Sixers by nine in the fourth quarter, and they still lost by six. Um, Mohamed Bamba, I was very, very impressed with. Uh, 12 points in 17 minutes. Two of two made threes. He actually did not show any fear attacking the basket. He did not back down from Embiid, and that was very promising for me. I did like the way he sort of defends the, defended the paint. Obviously, he's known for his defense, but to see him do it at an NBA level was very impressive for me, and just see the aggressiveness. He didn't shy away. He attacked Embiid. He even got, I think, a couple of fouls on Embiid. He he almost dunked on Embiid, although he came up a little short and laid it up and in. Um, but I think that was a very promising start for him. So now that you sort of assess the game, um, what you want to see is you want to see more of Ben Simmons taking outside shots. He doesn't take any. Uh, jumpers, and he hit, granted he doesn't really have to, but he needs to be to show that he is a threat to make something from outside the paint. Because, like I've said before, it's going to open up his whole game. It's going to make his life easier because the defenders know that he's capable of sticking a jump shot. They're going to have to play up on him, and then he's much stronger, much faster, much bigger than anybody else guarding him that he's going to be able to blow right by him. And so he needs to showcase that he has that game but it could also be that Brett Brown is saying we don't want to give away all of our trade secrets and all of our weapons and sort of give that away in the preseason but then again you could argue with 82 games in a season people are going to catch on eventually that Ben Simmons can shoot and they're going to learn how to defend him that's true so who so who knows why he isn't taking jump shots what I liked from Ben Simmons is that he continues to be aggressive as per usual and he's, inc- and he's improved that free throw game, which is what you need from him. He will be a huge asset to this team, even more so than he already is, if he can make free throws. Um, I wanted to discuss a couple things. So, Embiid's had a very quiet, dominant summer league beginning. He's scored 20 points, I think, in both games, and he has had 10-plus rebounds in both games. The reason it's obviously so quiet is because we're all focused on Markel Fultz. So you have what you what appears to be a franchise center, an MVP candidate center, in Joel Embiid. You 
seem to have a, of have an all-star point guard in Ben Simmons. Hopefully he'll make it official this year and be named an all-star. I think he will, but you hope. How long will it take Markel Fultz to become the player that we want him to be? That he can be that X factor that gets you past the Boston Celtics and gets you to the finals and gets you on the cusp of a championship. We don't know, A, will he ever become that, and B, if he does, how long will it take? So, would you trade Markel Fultz right now for a more proven, established shooting guard? And this is a hypothetical because anyone with a with anybody who the Sixers would want what? anybody who the Sixers would want in a trade from Markel Fultz would have to be of equal value. And so with that, you kind of have to pose the question, would any team give up a player of comparable value to a lottery pick? Number one at that. And a few names come to mind. Devin Booker would be an ideal target. CJ McCollum, ideal target. Um, and, at, and as of right now, that's all you can really think of. But obviously those teams wouldn't give away their prized possessions for Markel Fultz. So if you could, if you could sort of convince them that he's back and he's all that, and they bite, would you trade and essentially give up on Markel Fultz? Would you essentially give up on Markel Fultz by trading him away after this year of promise and this year of building him up for a more established player who you know could be the X factor and make you better immediately and can get you to the next round of the playoffs? I don't know. It's a very, it's a very difficult spot to be in. You could trade him to Minnesota for Jimmy Butler, um, which would probably be the highest potential candidate that they could get back um, for Jimmy Butler because no one wants to, you know, he he's kicking away Minnesota's leverage because he's announced that he wants to be out. So they know that he's not going to resign. They can sort of not give up assets to get him and sign him in the in the in the, um, in the off season. So, would you risk having to re-sign and potentially lose a star like that and have and, and lose out on and then obviously lose out on Markel Fultz because you traded him away and then the guy didn't resign, or would you wait for Markel to come along by this time? Hopefully, let's say Embiid's twenty-seven, twenty-eight, Ben Simmons is twenty-two, twenty-four. And then Markel's ready to go. Because right now, the odds are that he's not going to be ready to lead this team and be the X Factor and get them to the next round. Maybe, maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it'll be two years from now. Maybe it'll be three years from now. Maybe it's never. So who knows? Last year, we the, the line on the Sixers was, 20, it was, it was 41 wins. They won 52 games. We weren't ready for that. We didn't think they were ready for that. They were ready for that. So... We never know. Maybe he's maybe he flips a switch. He's ready to go this year. But the point is that there is a chance, and a good one at that, that Markel Fultz won't be ready for two, three, four years. And at that time, do you, 
you know, you want to you want to resign Ben Simmons. Obviously, he's going to get max money. Dario Sharich, you're going to resign. He's going to get near max money. Embiid's max money. Obviously, you have a lot of money committed to those three guys, and eventually, what's going to happen is you're going to have a situation like Oklahoma City where you're giving max money to Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden wants max money, and you have to trade him away. And then look at what he is now. Suddenly that window closes on you. And suddenly what could have been a generational type core of three of the best players in the league never happens because, and they never win a championship because James Harden leaves, Kevin Durant leaves, and now it's Russell Westbrook, and they have sort of done a very quick rebuild. You know, so... There's going to get a time eventually where the Sixers don't have enough space or money to pay Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and Markel Fultz. And I'm not saying that a decision will be to let Markel Fultz walk. Maybe you let Dario walk. Who knows what the who knows what what's going to happen down the line? But you have a very small window where you have this core together, or you have any core together really, of Embiid, Simmons, and Saric as being your top three guys. So, with that being said, why waste any time with Markel Fultz developing? Why waste value years of these guys' young careers on on rookie deals waiting for Markel, Markel Fultz to develop? What happens if Markel Fultz finally comes to and comes around and you have to make a decision between Dario Saric, Ben Simmons, and Markel Fultz? Might have to let him go anyway because, well, you're not convinced, and he's not worth, and he wants big money. So, do you give up on him? Now, what if you give up on him, and he becomes a Hall of Fame player? What happens if you give up on him, and you don't win the championship? So, there are so many variables, and we don't know what the future holds for Markel Fultz. And I think it's a very difficult situation to be in if you're the Sixers because you can't it, – you, it's a, it, these guys are so young and everyone understands that. That's why they're so exciting. That's why their future is so bright. But you have this very short time frame where you can afford all four. And we're – and beats for now healthy. And they're all young. And – they're still interested in Philadelphia. You have a very short period of time and before something bad, something changes for the worse. And then suddenly it puts you in a very tough spot with a very tough decision to make. I think my answer would be I'm not treating Markel Fultz because, yes, you have a short window. Yes, there are financial implications of trying to keep three stars plus Dario Saric on the roster. But at the same time, I think I'm convinced to keep him because look what happened last year when no one had faith that they would be as good as they were. Who's to say that this kid won't shock won't shock the um won't shock the NBA, won't shock the country. He's been doubted so heavily these past this past year. There's a reason that he's the number one consensus pick in the draft two years ago. When you see him play, even last year, without having a jump shot, he was so tantalizing just by 
attacking and driving and his and his finishing package. And can you imagine if he does pan out? He might be the second coming of Dwayne Wade. Um, and for that reason, I'm not just going to trade him right now before the before you know before he either a tanks or b uh, becomes awesome. I'm going to let him have that chance. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to Brett Brown. We owe it to Embiid and Simmons. We owe it to Sam Hinkie. We owe it to the fans, to the Sixers, to give this kid a chance. And so I think if I'm the GM, my decision is to give it a year or two. And, of course, you run the risk of him just flatlining and then having no value. But I don't think anyone in the league is going to fall for, oh, we promise you he's ready to go. Oh, he's so, you know, the jumper's back. He's good to go. No one's going to mortgage an already established shooting guard, which there are not many that are upper echelon in the NBA. No one's going to forego what is already promised to them and guaranteed to them for the chances of this kid becoming an all-star. So externally, that's one reason why, because I'm not sure people would bite on it and be... I don't think I can't imagine. I can't fathom the idea that all thirty GMs were wrong about one kid. This kid didn't get by ten GMs or five GMs. He he passed all thirty GMs. All thirty thought that he was the best player in the draft. That means that thirty times their scouting department all co-signed that this kid is the real deal. Who knows what happened this past summer? Who knows why, or no, who knows what happened last summer? Who knows why Markel Fultz forgot how to shoot? Who knows if he forgot how to shoot? Maybe it was he injured his shoulder and then he came back um, and was just not ready to go because, you know, come back from an injury like that to begin your to begin your, to begin your season, your career, and it's very, very intimidating, very overwhelming. Maybe he needed just a year off to get, you know, to, to recover from that and to get the shoulder right. And to um, and to rediscover that confidence, and to sort of say, okay, mentally, I'm ready to go. Maybe he never got how to shoot. We don't know. The point is, the point is, we don't know. The point is, we don't know what he's going to be. We know what the Sixers were last. We thought, you know, we thought we knew what the Sixers were last year. We Cal- Colin Cowherd thought that they were a 20-win team. Vegas thought they were a 41-win team. Joel Embiid thought that they were a playoff team, whatever whatever number that might be in terms of the wins. They went out and they won 52 games. Embiid played 60, which was way above expectations. Ben Simmons almost contended for an all-star spot. And they're really within points if you think about it, because although they lost four to one to the Celtics, they were within points in every game. Two couple different decisions made from being in the Eastern Conference Finals in the first year. So think about the disparity going from going from forty one to projected to fifty two and a sixteen game winning streak and almost you know, a couple decisions away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. We were just hoping they'd get into the playoffs. Whether they got swept or not, we were you know, we were okay with that to make the playoffs. They almost got they they were a couple decisions away, a couple different passes, a couple less turnovers, a couple more made shots away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. So 
if we don't, if we think, you know, we think we know, but if we didn't know about them, we also don't know about Markel Fultz. We can't put a ceiling on what this kid can be. We can't look at stats and project. We can't look at what we see on tape and project. You have to give it time with Markel. And I think even though we've waited long enough for this team, and I think even though that the window is so small for them to, to really chase that ring, I think A, the market isn't out there, and B, I think that you're foregoing too much potential for to, to, to take a chance, really, and to you know to for, to, to forego such a what could be such a wonderful kid and go pick up on an older Jimmy Butler or a guy who plays no defense like C.J. McCollum but has an outstanding offensive game. So just some food for thought for tonight. Um, before I go, I want to uh, say some words from our sponsors. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Go check out our boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a minute, or under a second. It is also a bottle opener, tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. Check them out on Instagram, at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Cobra with a K. For a 10% discount on all Cobra products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all one word, all capitals. Pick up yours today. This presentation and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the sponsor is prohibited. Copyright the feed to MB 2018. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great night. I'll be back with more uh, season previews for for the last ten teams soon, and then post game coverage for the for the Sixers. Have a great night, and thank you for listening.